Most gracious Heavenly Father, as we come into this moment now where we open your word, open our hearts to receive your life-transforming truth, that you would shape us into the image of your son, Jesus, that our lives would point more and more people into a living and eternal relationship with him. And it's to his glory and in his name that we pray this morning, amen. Have you ever known that person that you thought to yourself, that, that guy, that lady needs a dose of humility? Early in my career, I was right out of college and serving at a little church up in Oklahoma, and I was playing the piano and worship leading, and I was getting a little opportunity more to, to go out and do some conferences and camps and play for some larger crowds while I was serving, and I was starting to think, wow, this is kind of cool. So one day I was at the church office and the pastor comes by and he looks in my office and he said, hey, Jet, I'm gonna be doing a funeral this Thursday, so I need you to go down to the assisted living center and, and, and do a devotional and play some hymns and stuff for them. And he turned and left. I was like, oh, man, really? I gotta do this? Like, there's gonna be like eight people there. Like, they can't even carry a tune over there. They, they probably don't even know all the lyrics to these songs. And so I, I didn't have a good attitude. I just threw something together, went down there, and I was playing. And while I'm trying to lead some singing, I'm thinking in my mind, they must think, wow, this guy's good. How did, like, how did we get this guy? How did we get this dude to come down here and play? I stood up from the piano, and I started to dive into my little devotional. And as I was getting settled in, these ladies in the back were kind of snickering. And I was like, excuse me? And they go, X, Y, Z. I was like, X, Y, Z? What an X, Y, Z? And then, it, oh, it dawned on me from childhood. Remember this? Examine your zipper. I, in, in horror, I looked down, and I was like, oh, no. And I, they were dying laughing, and it was in that moment I felt like I was at a crossroads between pride and humility. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you've been there before, like, Lord. Okay, I get it. I get it. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to open them with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, as we are wrapping up a series called Transforming this morning. We've been in this over the last few weeks, and we've been diving into the parables of Jesus. If you're new to the church, you say, what is a parable? Basically, it's a, it's a story that makes a comparison. Jesus takes an earthly situation and he compares it and uses it to communicate a heavenly truth. It was a technique that he used all the time in his teaching to, co to connect with his audience and to teach them things about God. And so in this morning, what we're gonna see as we look at this parable that we're gonna dive in today that Jesus wants us to grab a couple of truths and the first one is this, the, the answer to the most important question that all of us will ever face in life and it's this, how can I be made in right standing with God? How can I find the favor of Almighty God in my life? And the second thing, Jesus has given us a warning. He says, I want you to be on guard for pride in your life. As we look throughout all of scripture and we take the totality of the word of God, we're gonna learn this truth this morning that with God, the prideful are rejected but the humble are accepted. The prideful are rejected, but the humble are accepted. Jesus knew in our lives that we face this problem. We are tempted constantly 
to put our trust in what we can do to impress God, don't we? He's, we are constantly tempted to say, God, look at what all I'm doing for you and to, to stand on our accomplishments. And so Jesus is saying, I wanna teach you about this. Let's look as we dive into the word of God. In verse nine of chapter 18, Luke writes, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And so right off the bat, Luke is giving us the purpose of the parable, the, the why behind why Jesus was about to tell this story. There's no doubt what it's about. He's saying that there are people who trusted in their own righteousness before God. Luke uses the word in the Greek called pathos, which means to put your faith in, to put your trust in, or your confidence and hope in. And so they were putting their confidence and their trust in their own accomplishments rather than God. And so we see right off the bat the, the purpose of the parable. And so Jesus, he's saying that people that trust in themselves and they, they lean on themselves, they've got a problem. But then there's a second thing that he's warning us about, and that's the, this issue of pride and these people that look down their noses with contempt at other people. Maybe you know some of these people, they get on their high horse and they, they look down and they, they can identify the flaws and the mistakes of everybody else, but, but they have a hard time turning that back on themselves and, and they're trying to get the speck out of your eye and meanwhile they got like a telephone pole over here hanging out of their own eye, you know? It's like, come on now. And so Jesus is, he's preaching and he's teaching a warning about this and so then he introduces us, Jesus does in his story, to two characters that we're gonna learn about today. Listen to verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Two men went up to the temple. There in Jerusalem where the Temple Mount is, where the Temple of Solomon was, where the Holy of Holies was, this location that was chosen there was on the highest point of the city. And so wherever you were in that city, you could look and you would see, and your eyes would be drawn to the temple. And so as they were going up to the temple, they were going to the place where God promised that he would dwell among his people there in the Holy of Holies. And so they were going up to the temple. But here's the truth about the story today. Jesus is saying two men might have gone up, but only one really drew near and experienced the mercy and the grace of God. Two characters that he introduces us to, they're, they're polar opposites. On one side we have this, this Pharisee and then over here we got, have this tax collector. Let's start with the, the Pharisee for just a moment. He, a Pharisee, what is this? It comes from this, this word, it's, it's, it could be considered a separatist. The Pharisees were these religious guys there in the temple, these, these scholars of the law that separated themselves because they were more self-righteous than the commoners. They were the keepers of the law, so to speak. And they walked around in their robes and they were very righteous and people looked at them and, and admired their religiosity. They stood the Pharisees on a system of belief before God that, that is common in our world today, that if you look at other religions out there and you compare them to, to what we believe as Christians, 
you're gonna see this belief system. And it goes something like this. It's like a scale that if on this side I put good things that I do, and on this side are the bad things I do, that, that Lord, uh, I'm hoping to, to fill this side up throughout my life, that I'm gonna do good things and, start, and do all these things to impress you, Lord, and hopefully by the end, when, when I get to the judgment, then you'll say, hey, you pass and, and you, you're in, you're good. It's a system of the scale. Maybe you've seen this in people's lives. And, and Jesus is coming and he's saying, guys, you've got, it, you've got it all wrong. This is not what I'm teaching. This is not the, the economy of God. The Pharisees, man, they look great on the outside. They had it all together. If you look at them, man, they, they were the guys to admire at the temple. In contrast to that, you had the, the tax collector Man, these guys were, were despised in, dis, in the society. If, you, if you've studied it, you look back at the tax collectors. Here's some guys, and what they would do, they, they worked on behalf of the Roman government, and they would go out to, to raise money, and so they would go, and they would uh, extort from people. They knew what the tax was, but they would get a little bit more, and then they could skim it off the top and pocket it for themselves. Everybody knew the scheme. People, they hated him. They saw the guy coming, and they just despised him. They thought, these guys are crooks. Ugh, they were like the lowest of the, the society. This, these tax collectors, how could they ever even have a, a single thought toward God? Like, they, they were just the, the, the bottom. They were, they were despised. And if you were to show up at the temple that day, and there was a bystander standing there, and you say, hey, which one of these two guys is is in the favor of God today, that obviously they would look at the Pharisee when they, they say, hey, this guy surely has it all together. Jesus goes on in verse 11, listen to what he says. He says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other people here, like the robber, the evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Here's the Pharisee. He's in the temple. He starts praying. Can you imagine? He's like pointing out in the middle of his prayer. He's like, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. The truth is, he should have been praying, Lord, help me to be more, more like this guy. Over here in, in the Pharisee's prayer, he's outlining the, the faults of everybody else. If you look at this list of all the sinners he lists he, and all their crimes against God, he leaves out a really important one from that list. And what is that? It's his own sin, pride. He leaves that one out conveniently, doesn't he? And so he is there praying. Look at how bad everyone else is, but here I am, Lord. So in our self-righteousness, sometimes we can identify the sins of everyone else, but we overlook the faults in our own lives. And then the Pharisee, he goes on to describe why he is so good and why God should be impressed with him. He says, I fast twice a week and give 10% of everything. Now on the surface, you'd say, what's wrong with that? I mean, the dude, he's trying to fast, and then he's giving 10% to the, the temple? Like, you guys at church, aren't you all always looking for that guy, that tither? Like, it's like he's wanting to give. Like, what's wrong with that? Here's the deal. It was his, the motive of his heart. It was for his own recognition. And 
Here's what Jesus, he was speaking to his hearers, Jesus was at this time, and he was like, I'm gonna give you an example, and, and this is gonna make sense to you how overblown this guy is. Let me give you an example here this morning as we take just a minute to, I, I wanna do a Bible trivia, okay? It's just one question, so nobody get stressed out. We're not gonna check answers and all that kind of stuff. Bible trivia, like this morning, the guy said, I fast twice a week, but so how many times did the Old Testament law require people to fast? Here we go, A, once a month, B, seven times a year, C, one time a year, or D, it wasn't required. You got it? All right, if there's any Pharisees in the room this morning, they'd go, I didn't have to look this up, you did. And so I'd be like, yeah, you're right, I did. I had to look this up. I went back to Leviticus chapter 16, and it's C, one time a year. Here's the deal. It was the Day of Atonement when the priest would go into the Holy of Holies and take the blood of a sacrifice to, to pray for the remission of the sins of the nation, and God says in there that I would like you to take this one day to, to deny yourself and fast. And so the Pharisees knew the law, but here's, here's him. He's like, I don't fast once a year. I do twice a week. I do twice a week, Lord, and I give 10%. I'm like, Lord, you set up this standard, God, and I blow it out of the water. I'm a, I'm a spiritual overachiever. Aren't you impressed, God? Jesus wants us to see this today, this truth. It's a very important truth that our inability to recognize our own sin doesn't mean it's non-existent. It means it reveals our blindness. See, wait, slow down, hang on. That's a lot of words, and if there's any... Any English teachers watching today, I'm sorry for the double negatives in, in here the, in all that, but let's pick this apart. What does this mean? It says, hey, even if you don't acknowledge your sin and your wrongs, it doesn't mean that they, they don't exist. It just means that you're in denial. Don't deceive yourself, the Bible says, and to, to say that you're without sin, that every single one of us is without sin. And, and so Jesus is warning this Pharisee and, the, and his listeners, to, and he's saying, don't stand on your own righteousness. Verse 13, in contrast, Jesus points out the tax collector. He says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Some translations there put the sinner. As he realized that he didn't, compare himself to everybody else in the room. He says, I am the sinner. And so here's the scene in the temple. The Pharisee is standing up and in the middle of his prayer, he's pointing over here and he's pointing out everybody else's sin and, and he's, he's trying to show how great he is. And, and the Pharisee is actually, he's not even praying to God. Some scholars say that it was, it could be translated that he was praying as unto himself. The Pharisee was singing a praise and worship song about himself and he was wanting God to join in on the chorus. How great I am. Come on, everybody. How? And so, meanwhile, Jesus is saying, I want you to take a look at the tax collector. He stands over by himself. His head is bowed low. He is 
feeling the weight of the sin upon him. And he doesn't even feel worthy to be near a holy God. And he's seeking nothing but the mercy of God. He's so moved by his sin that his head is bowed down and it says he is beating upon his breast, is beating his chest. Maybe he was doing this to say, God, I'll, I'll show you that I will suffer and how bad I feel and I'm gonna suffer for my wrongs. And God was saying, wait, 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 stop. No, you don't need to suffer. I'm gonna put that suffering on my son. By his stripes you will be healed. No longer is it anything that you've got to do. I'm going to pay the price for that. And, and so the, the tax collector, he came with this attitude of contrition, of humility on his knees before God. And he admitted his own mistakes. He said, I'm fed up with this Lord. And I, I realize that I'm powerless in myself to be better. I need your mercy. Remove my sin and my guilt from me, God. I am the sinner. He didn't list off a, a list of accomplishments and, and, and point to other people. He just said, Lord, I throw myself at your feet for mercy. Listen to how Jesus responds with the verdict here at the end of this. In verse 14, he says, I tell you that this man the tax collector, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. It's a strange turn of events, isn't it? I call it a, a radical reversal. That the one who looked like he had nothing to offer and he was despised by the community, came and he experienced the grace of God, a radical reversal. How do you experience the, the radical reversal in your life? It's when God says, you know what? I'm gonna show you mercy because I didn't show mercy to my son, but I put the wrath of your sin on him, which he didn't deserve. He humbled himself. He stepped out of heaven and he went and laid down his life on a sinner's cross rose again in victory for you, a radical reversal. And now he lives and he wants to transform your life from the inside out. Why, why did he do this? It's because you matter. Your life matters to him. Every single life matters to Jesus. He wants to transform you. Maybe this morning you say, you say I, I'm, I don't know, I've been living the life of a Pharisee. I've been living in pride and looking down on people. We'll, we'll take heart this morning. Join the Apostle Paul. Remember when he was a Pharisee, he said, I was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. I was the top. He was on the road to Damascus heading to go and persecute even more believers of Jesus and God met him there. Jesus confronted him and he humbled him right there. He broke him down. He didn't leave him there though. He didn't leave him. What did he do? He restored him. He transformed him. And, and, and Paul rose up and he, he lived the rest of his life differently. Differently. He was transformed by the grace of God. He, he 
was made new, and Jesus wants to do that in your life. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians about this. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. What does that mean? It's that God didn't just waste his grace on Paul. He says, no, it transformed me. No, I worked harder than all of them, the apostles and the disciples, yet not I, but it was the grace of God that was in me. God wants to transform your life from the inside out. Jesus wants to birth in you something new and he wants to, to continue to make you into the image of his son and he's calling you to that this morning. And, and so his question is, is this this morning, how will you, how will you respond? As you go out this week to pray and think about this, I wanna call you to action and, and to take action and not just be a hearer of the word, but to ask yourself this question right here, in what ways can I begin to let go of pride? What ways can I say, Lord, what, is there an attitude, is there a judgment, is there a, a way I look at people that, that I need to allow you to, to change in me? And then I want you to, Consider praying this prayer, Lord, grow me in humility. This is a dangerous and a risky prayer. And not everybody in here has the courage to pray it. It seems simple, but here's a prayer. It's kind of like when you say, Lord, grow my patience. Have you ever done that? And then what happens? He starts to send stuff and it's gonna test your patience. And when you say, Lord, grow me in humility, mm, 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 be ready. You know, as I was preparing and praying for the, through this sermon and, and preparing it, I was saying, Lord, let me be the first one. Start with me as I, as I listen to you and, and as I pray this prayer. I'm telling you, it's a dangerous prayer. The Lord's gonna begin to, to do some things in your heart and he's gonna, he's gonna begin to change you and you're gonna begin to see right before your very eyes God transforming you. People around you are gonna see, they're gonna say, what's going on when, in her life, in his life? Like, they're different. And, I, and it, right before your eyes, God is gonna begin to transform your life. The tax collector, he left the temple that day and he says he went back down to his home. He went back down to where he lived. He went back to, to life, back to the struggles and the suffering. And he went back to the daily grind and back to the gossip and the glances. But he left with new hope. He left experiencing the grace of Jesus. Today, your savior, Jesus says, be like that tax collector. Be like that tax collector. Humble yourself before your God. Receive in trust and in faith, pathos in faith alone. Say, God, I trust you. And then receive his mercy and his forgiveness. And like that tax collector, Jesus says to you, I promise you, and I stand on my word that you today too will go down to your house justified. To God be the glory, let it begin with me. Amen.